This is Philip Booth of Philip Booth Knives, and you're listening to Bladeology. So we're going to jump into this like we do every week. Welcome to another episode of the Bladeology podcast. We've been out for a little while. This will be our first episode of 2020. Pretty exciting. This will be the first episode of our second year doing this. We are on with a special guest. We're going to make sure everybody's here. I'm Jeremiah from PVK Vegas. Nick Chuprin of NCC Knives. Elijah Isham of Isham Blade Works. Jason Luma of Luma Blades. Killer. Nice. So, Jason, we uh, we convinced you to get on here with us and, and, and talk about knives and, and get going. Uh, what's good in this new year? What, what are you working on? What do you got on the bench? I'm uh, working on a new, a new design. It's a uh, frame lock uh, flipper, and uh, it's called the tantrum just trying to uh like i actually sitting in front of me i have a extra large version of it and a smaller size version of it and i'm trying to dial my way through the prototypes and everything like that so that's my most current it's that i'm working on nice nice so you're going through that that prototyping phase figuring out all the all the details and mechanics out yeah, well, the prototyping for me generally doesn't uh, wind up being a, a super difficult thing. It's just a matter of I just use very, very basic uh, materials and don't take it to a higher level of finish. I just, uh, you know, make sure and just do some testing and make sure that everything is good to go. Mechanically sound. Mechanically, all the proportions, everything like that is good to go before I actually delve into you know, doing a, you know, pieces with, you know, nicer materials and stuff like that. I got you. Is I got that you. that recent one you? Is that that recent one you finished with the detent balls in the pocket clip? Yeah, yeah, that's a funny story on that one. <laughs> gotcha. No, so you said you were working on pro, so I don't know if you were. It's a new one, or it was the one you were just doing. Yeah, that's 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 the model that I was just doing. That's the most recent. Um, I'm working on the large now. It's funny because the used to be the small, the smaller ones used to be the harder ones to do, and now the, the larger ones is just more surface area. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't made a large knife for a while. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe. I'm not. I'm not the hugest fan of uh, giant knives myself. Yeah, everything I make is about two and a half inches to three and a half. Yeah, that's the sweet spot right there. My old three and a, three and three quarter four inch models I've long retired. Yeah. Well, this one's got like a four and a half inch blade. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. That's wait, that's huge. That's pretty good. Step out the outside that wheelhouse and just go huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I just I just went big with it because I I do have a couple of customers that like really large knives. And they were bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. And I figured, why not scale up the same one and just do it? And if they like it, I'll take just, care of it. Just shot, shot in the dark, 50 Shades of Slash. Oh, man, I was just about to say that. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, is it him? No, it's not him. It's oh, not okay. him. I do know him. But there's, okay. Oh, okay. there's, there's, a, there's a few guys out there. Just looking for that that giant one, huh? Just like the big stuff, and that's cool. I mean, 
I mean, that's a huge part of custom knives, right? I mean, that's yep. uh, you can kind of have them any way you like, you know, as long as someone's willing to build it for you. Yeah. Hey, Nick, I, I had a question for you, Nick. What'd you think about that clip? Uh, the shape of it or the whole, the, 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 the addition of the whole, the, det- uh, the detents? No, the detents. It's, it's still finished. I know why you did it. I've done you know the same thing. Here, right? Yeah, I've, I've, I've done it a handful of times too, contouring it and just blowing through it. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day when I used to do all the blind hardware before I had a CNC and it was always 80 thou, knowing it's always 80 thou. But I used to just do it by hand and to do blind tapping. It always vary a little bit. And the worst thing ever was when I, when I contour a frame and you start seeing a little pinhole. And you're like, oh, no. The worst that is, that's that's that not a speck of dust. I didn't see the pinhole until I blasted it. <laughs> it just blew it through. I was uh, like, yeah, it was. I was <laughs> it was just sheet metal was there. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, well, I got to save this. <laughs> I was Sometimes just got to recover I, it. Well, as as they all used to say, uh, make mistakes. Said, no, there, there's never there's never a fucked up knife. It's just a smaller one. Yes. Yeah. Or I thought it was just design. there's just new designs. Yeah. Well, for folders, it has to be a new design. For pig's blades back in the day, if you fuck it up, just make it smaller. Oh, there you go. All right. Just a little shorter of a tip, no problem. Yeah. Pocket, pocket size EDC, totally fine. I have been working on pig's blades mm-hmm. too for for a few customers. I don't. I don't normally do fixed blades, but oh, I saw. I saw one you were working on, like the the pocket fixed blade, the little, the small yeah, EDC. I'm actually, actually, I'm actually kind of getting into the pocket fixed blades. They're actually pretty nice. I mean, I carry I carry one now with my folder, and I, I like it because the way the carry is set up, you can't even feel it in your pocket in the leather sheath. It's uh, it's oh, it's like a deep carry fixed blade. That, that's I what I used to they, carry uh, for the longest time in New York because it was easier to carry in folders for the laws. And I was going to plan on making some, but I have I had six designs made in, in a CAD file, and that file is just missing. It's I haven't looked at it in a year, but I was trying to find it over the last month while I've been sick, and it just it's gone. I don't know what happened to it, but it was three six like perfect designs that I really liked. I think more like small EDC fixed blades might be coming back into popularity this year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I start to see like more and more of them recently. I don't know why. A lot of people are liking them. I, yep. You know, it started just as a uh, a whim. Hey, you know what? Let me make a uh, a fixed blade version of my folder. That's right. what I want to do. You mm-hmm. know, and I try to make. I have. Uh, well, I, I try to make them as close to my folders as possible, so that you have to like. The only way you could tell is if you look at the spine. You know, hmm. so that's because yeah, you got the pivot in there and everything. Yeah, I do. I do the pivot. I do everything. You know, I don't know. I, I just thought that that's cool to do, so that's why I do it. But I mean, that works. Just rock your your personal aesthetic either way. I mean, it's kind of signature, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty neat. I saw one of those in person that you did. At first, when I saw it online, I was like, "This the asymmetry, asymmetry of it, knowing that it was a fixed blade, bothered me." And then when I saw it, I was like, eh, "It's actually pretty cool." Well, they just the symmetry of stuff bothers me. I was like, but I knew what you were going for was for the folder look. But then when I had it in my hand, I was like, eh, "I actually like this how how it's set up like the folder." Cool. Yeah, no, it looks cool. I like that. It's it reminds me almost of like a. Like a pairing knife, almost like a practical pairing knife you might carry. Right. Um, 
but but that being does- said, uh, let's um let's wind it back a little bit. Um, Jason, how how did you get tangled up in this this mess of knife making? Where where did uh where did you get um pulled into it? Where where did you start? Uh, where I started knife making. Well, you know, just like yeah, ever since I was little, just like any any guy that grows up in like the country, you, you know, you like knives, you know, and they use it for everything and, you know, all kinds of knives. My first knife, my grandmother actually gave me, it was a little tiny, tiny pen knife. So my grandparents were from, uh, from Europe and it was a little, I mean, it was, the, it was so comically tiny, this pen knife and I was, it was just a slip joint, and of course, I learned really quick how to handle a knife holding that little thing. Um, but that sparked, you know, my interest in knives. That's you know when I was a kid. So fast forward through all my work, my life, my career is everything. Um, I worked in law enforcement. Uh, you know, carried a knife, used it. The carrier that. I always had on me was a Spyderco. Um, the reason being is if you lose it on duty or something happens to it, it's not that big of a deal. Which model so, was it? It was the, the the law enforcement one. It was the all metal one. Oh, the police oh, yeah. model. The police, the police yeah. model. The police model. Yep. Mm. So uh, and nice. at, at that at that point, believe it or not. You know, we're talking, you know, became a police officer in my 20s. Um, I knew that, I mean, everyone knows that there's custom everything. So there's like custom guitars, there's custom knives, there's custom fishing reels. Um, But I really didn't know much about the custom knife market. Um, And the funniest thing is, is where they've had the California Custom Knife Show, for ever over there in Garden Grove, California. Oh yeah, I was a police officer in that area. So, and I never went to it. Uh, <laughs> it was very funny. Mm. So anyway, after after I was done with that, I went to uh, I I grew up in New York, so I moved back home, and. I've always been into, I'm going somewhere with this. I've always been into dirt bikes and motorcycles and uh, just building things. So I became a uh, contractor, started building homes, everything like that. Went on a motorcycle uh, trip to someplace in Pennsylvania on our adventure uh, motorcycles. And there was a custom knife maker that was there at this at this uh it's a tour tech rally so he was set up in a little tent in the field and everything like that and of course i walked over to him and talked to the guy for about a uh hour hour and a half and he explained to me how he made these knives and i was just absolutely utterly amazed that a person can make a knife I was always under the impression that you needed all this crazy like equipment, facilities, machinery, everything to make a knife. 
And um, I bought a knife from the guy. It was my first custom knife that that, that I ever owned. And uh, went back to my buddy who I went to the rally with. And I was like, you know what? I think I can make a knife. And he said, no, you can't make a knife. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you can't make a knife? And he's like, you, you can't. He goes, you, he goes, you build houses. You're going to make a knife. You're going to cut it with a saw. You're gonna, what are you going to do? I go, I'm going to make a knife. And he's like, yeah, you're not going to make a knife. And I said, all right, fine. So I waited till we got back. And uh, I hobbled together any type of metal. So I had no metal working machine. Borrowed. A pick through trash of friends' trash tools to find a grinder, the tools that I thought I needed, and worked at it. I made my first knife, which was like six inches shorter than it was supposed to be. Nice at the end, and then after that, it just goes back around. Yeah, yeah. I, no mistakes, <laughs> smaller knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After that, it was just it was just snowball, man. I don't know. I was hooked. I I, I don't. It was it was the ugliest knife ever. I still have it, but it, it was it it was something I made, and I was just like super proud of it. And I I can't even explain how or why that I was hooked on it. You was know. it made out of actual knife steel or just some? Yeah, random, yeah, random I, I did. Oh, I, okay. I did my research a little bit. You know, it's actually 1084. Um, I built a little coffee can uh, forge for it. <laughs> he treated. Oh, no shit, nice. And, you know, I, I I had a little Craftsman two by forty two grinder that I actually pulled out of my friend's trash can. <laughs> so that's that's basically how I started, and then. It just, you know, it snowballed and I just was addicted to it. And next thing you know, you know, I'm basically, I'm full time. So, I mean, I don't know how else, you know, to, uh, what, what else there is to say about that as far as, uh, I mean, everybody kind of falls into it in a different way. I mean, it sounds like, uh, uh, the the way you got into it there was a was a was a friendly challenge. I, I appreciate that. Like, no, nah, you can't do that. Like, no, nah, I'm gonna do it. You know, that's that's what it takes sometimes to get uh, to get the job done, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and to this day, my my buddy comes over. He's like, man, I can't believe what you make here in a residential neighborhood. <laughs> oh man, is it that same? Is it the same dude? The same dude. Yeah. Oh, see, that's even better. He's like, "No, nah, you can't make no knives." And then you you come back oh, and you're like, "Oh, he's okay." One of my very good customers too. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the residential neighborhood thing is also like in Long Island's like even is even more of a thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a thing. Not that much where I'm at. I'm 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 in a pretty good neighborhood. Uh, and, and I'm very well contained. Hmm. That's that's great. I, I love that. Um, yeah, now he's a great customer. You know, that's uh, awesome. that's how it goes. So when and, did the orders start rolling in? Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so, after all so the, the orders. Uh, so, um, you know, I was a member of a like a local internet gun forum for a while because you know I'm into shooting, into reloading. I'm a member of a physical gun club where I I can go and shoot to private range. Um, and I just started posting some of my fixed blades, and some guys started, you know, everyone really liked them, and uh, you know, I was I was just making them and selling them, and a couple of guys would ask for something special, and I'd make them and sell them, 
And uh, so that was probably six months after the first knife I made, but I was part-time. I still ran a construction company, so it was more of a hobby at that point Mm. for me. And I mean, basically, I mean, I made my first knife in like 2015 was the first knife. Oh, okay. And, And my first knife making that bitch fold, you know, the, 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 the first uh, it was a friction lock because I you know I was like let me figure out how to make this thing fold first before I try to add a mechanism in there or something that was in like January of 2016 and then my first actual like frame lock that actually worked which is the ugliest thing ever um, but I loved it because it worked as in April you know 2016 so you know six months later and so know. not that long ago really so you're yeah you know a fairly I'm, new, I'm, newer maker yeah yeah i'd say i'm going into my fifth year since i've ever made anything but it hasn't and this is going into my second year as a full-time maker oh boy so yeah, I mean, all, all the time before that was part time. Just you know, I was you learn every day. So, but I was learning to the point where I was proficient enough to where I felt I could go full time, and that's a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Being able to make the knife is, you know, proficiently is one thing, but being able to make it a business and make money at it and make mm-hmm. the knife is a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah that's what we call it. Yeah, that's 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 a uh, that's a pretty big leap. <laughs> Yeah. That's when you actually like full, full on, go full depth. Well, well I closed the real stress hits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I had a construction business in the Hamptons where I built big custom homes, and I just closed that down and started making knives. <laughs> wow. As crazy as that sounds. A bit, a little bit. But hey, you know what? Sometimes you, I mean, at some point, I feel like we, we talk to a lot of makers, and at some point, there's a there's this there's something that happens, and you you have a realization, there's a tipping point, and you go, oh my god, like maybe this is you know this is the thing I was meant to do, not this other stuff I've been doing for so long. And I feel like a lot of times knife making is that thing for certain people where they just all of a sudden it clicks. You're like, wait a minute, like I can do this and support myself, and this other stuff maybe I was just you know I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard it's it's difficult to explain, especially to people that don't understand. Because around where I where where I live, um, when people ask me what I do for a living, they're like, "No, really, what do you do?" Yeah, no, but seriously, <laughs> I'm like I'm like I make knives. Yeah, like what? Like cook knives, chef knife? And I'm like, no, I make folding knives. You know, and they're like, well, how can you live around here? How can you do this? How can you, you know? And I even feel that some people in the, like look down because of what I do, like thinking, oh, he makes weapons or he does it, you know. So yeah, it's exactly it's, what you mean. Yeah, and it's, yes. it's 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 really difficult to explain to everyone around by me are all about what you have and money and status, and it's very difficult to explain to somebody. Well, 
why would you leave a construction company to do this? It's and always kind of strange, yeah, trying to tell it, people. It, 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 yeah, it, 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 sometimes it's even strange to think mm-hmm. about because, you know, when you have that, you know, a construction business or any business where you're doing positive cash flow. Like a lot, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. a, a fair amount. Um, yeah. What what would make you leave that? And the thing, you know, it's, it's very fast paced, very stressful, um, and it just you you wind up chasing after things, chasing after your money and stuff like that. Non and no, then you're you, building houses, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't I was building them for clients, so yeah. I had a boss, which is worse than most bosses. <laughs> yeah, and um, sometimes in some cases I had two bosses, so you had. The, the guy that hired you or the woman that hired you and their spouse or significant other. Um, Oof. Yeah. And a couple of things came into a line. You know, my, my wife has a very excellent job with health, you know, insurance and everything like that. And we, we had just had a daughter and it came time. It came time to where she was going. My daughter was of age to go to kindergarten but we didn't want to put her in daycare because daycare is very, very costly and we don't want really trust other people with our child. And I don't have much family around here anymore. So I said, well, I'll just, you know, I'm working from home. That's it. This is what I'm doing. So that was like the final decision maker was making sure that I want my daughter. Um, I'm, I'm here for her, whether I'm actually hanging out with her or not. It doesn't matter. She knows that I'm always accessible you know, that's always good too. Huh? Yeah, it's a lot of full-time life makers out here. That's similar story all the time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like things that allow it to happen. It's like it makes it possible. And to I do will, this full time. I will say this: I I work seven days a week, <laughs> and I work minimum of ten ten hours a day, and I don't feel like I go to work at all. Yeah, you work when you want, and it's just like you start to work all the time. Yeah, that's pretty much that's yeah, one of the pitfalls. The yeah, that's one of the pitfalls of having an eleven step commute to your shop. That's <laughs> oh, a tough life, yeah. man. I'm telling you. Yeah, I still got a twenty five in the driving across the Verrazano every day, as you know. That's a horrible yeah. bridge. Oh man. Uh, but I I really do uh, the goal is to eventually work from home. Try to work towards that, but uh even, even though i still have the drive to work i have a bedroom at the shop so i'll still just sleep there if need be and still like the hours get ridiculous when you're full-time there's nothing stopping me from working 70 80 90 100 hours a week as long as i'd, I'd rather do that than just sit home and watch tv yeah I, I can't even tell you when the last time was i actually really watched tv <laughs> hmm. like Right before I go to bed, I, I just listen to nonsense on TV. I call it mindless television, so it'll be like some silly show. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you got to, like, it's that transition from, like, the thinking brain to the subconscious brain to move into the sleep mode. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> now, to go switch. back a little, a little, I didn't want to cut you off when you were saying, like, what people's first impression is around here. <laughs> you tell them knives. It's same thing like like kitchen knives, like weapons, like <laughs> like, like high end collector grade folding knives, and then it's only like, the oh, stabby like, kind. And then the, the following answers within the last year is the same thing. Oh, so like like forged and fire, like you should be on that show. I'm like, oh, oh my god, yeah. there's always a couple questions you can know. It's like, oh okay, you don't get it. 
Yeah. Like, oh God, Forge of Fire. It's in Brooklyn, and then I go, and then like after a while, they start passing. I'm like, I was offered. It's not what I do. I just be made fun of. I don't forge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not my bag of tricks, guy. Yeah, that's that's lately all I get. It's oh, you make weapons? No, no. Uh, forge them fire? No, no. And then they just get disappointed. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I didn't meet your 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 dreams and aspirations of what I should be. <laughs> Uh, the Uber driver, yeah, that's always the uh, oh, the Uber driver. Yeah, the Uber, <laughs> yeah, the Uber driver. Yep. At all the shows, it's like, it's oh, like, yeah. yeah okay. it's just, every question's the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, what brings you to town? A knife show? Oh, well, why knives? Uh, I make them. Oh, well, this guy makes them. This guy designs them. This guy sells them. Oh, so you guys are a company? No, not exactly. Yeah. It gets even weirder when we're all three together, though. <laughs> yeah, then it's like people are very like stranged out by that. It's all right. <laughs> Um, so Jason, what was your, um, we're, we're sort of moving through your, your timeline here, but, um, what was your first custom knife show? The first custom knife show I ever went to was the New York city custom knife show. Of course, because Damn. you know, I live in New York. That's gotta be the number one for most of our guests. I think at this point, I, I think so. How, is that something you just, you must've known about that already. You were sort of somewhat tied in or you just sort of, I'm always <laughs> interested to see how people found out about that show. Yeah, so uh, I just was just I knew nobody like no one around me really makes anything except for like home renovations and you know they make money in the financial markets basically. Um so I knew nobody that made anything. So I was always on forums or on the internet just looking up things and I just typed in custom knife shows and that one came up and it was within a reasonable amount of time to where I could get to it and I just I just drove there and showed up and was amazed there you at, go. at the at the work that I saw that like I went there with my my frame lock <laughs> looking to get feedback and I was like I was like, I looked at these 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 frame locks and these folders on the table, and I was just like, oh man, oh, you know, and I'd, I'd be like, I I I should just like pack this in. I don't know. Like, no, nah, this is like way outside the wheelhouse. I was, I was, I was literally, I was, I was overwhelmed. You know what mm. I mean? Like, I was like, how in the world? I, I don't even understand. So this was around 2016, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, and um, I just said, all right, well, I knew nothing about show etiquette. It was my first show ever, but, you know, I'm a respectful person, so I'd I'd wait so I'd see a a maker with no one at their table, no traffic or anything, and I'd walk up, I'd talk to them, and I'd tell them what I was uh, doing and ask them if they would be willing to take a look at my knife and whatever. And then the first time I, I gave a knife to a maker, I was like nervous. <laughs> it was just like, it, but after that, I just shamelessly would just hand it to anyone that would look at it to, mm-hmm. to, to get all of it. And I just, you know, what I call is I, I embraced the suck. There you so go. When, yeah. Whatever was told, I took like as constructive criticism. Um, and t- from the makers that were nice about it, I took it as constructive criticism, you know. So, 
And then I just Brazil. went back and improved and, you know, went to improve upon it. I mean. Were you uh, familiar with any of the makers at the show at that time? Or? Just, just, just through like YouTubing. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, the first person, the first person, like I, I, I handed the knife to was uh, Greg Medford. Okay. Oh, all right. I'm sure he, uh, he told me not some pretty to, honest. He told me not to quit my day job. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds right. That sounds like something up. that Greg would say. Harsh advice. Yeah. yeah. Straight up. And I said, well, you know, that's really, you know, okay. You know, but he, he did also say, uh, you know, your fundamentals are there. Everything's there. This is drawn. You know. And then I just, I think the next one I went to was Jay Kobach. He was the super nicest, nicest, most helpful guy. Hmm. He was super helpful. Positive, positive feedback. Yeah, well, positive, negative. It's all positive, right? You know, you, you you have to just be able to disseminate it. You know, if someone says your knife sucks, okay, you know, that's a negative. But, okay, now why does this knife suck? Right. That's a positive because you're learning how to fix what wasn't right, you know? It could also be just like personal preference too, like a style thing, you know. It's yeah. Not really style. So. Yes. Yeah. It's always good to have them explain why they don't like it. Yes. I'm trying to see it. Remember if I had run into at that show or not, or it was the following year. I was about to say, Nick, you probably worked that show, weren't you? Yeah, I've been, been every going every since, since like 20. Yeah, I've been at every show since 2009. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, well, that was my first. Oh, no, no, that's, uh, that'd be. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. And that show's been going on since like for fifteen years, like that. Twenty years? No, longer than fifteen. Because it, it was in New York in the early two thousands. Okay, so about probably like twenty or over twenty years. Over over twenty, because it was in oh three. I think was like the last year for it being in New York. I could be completely wrong, but. That early, I, huh? it, yeah, because it was six years prior to my first time. Okay, yeah, so it was 03 or 04, yeah. where it was it, the last New York one. Yeah, so I guess so probably just like, like mid 90s or something like that. Purchased the show then? I'm sure it was different before. Well, there were two versions of it because it used to be in Times Square like a really yeah. long time ago. Yeah, so it was kind of like a different show. Okay. Well, it was more classic because they, they still have a knife show in Brooklyn. Well, it's more of a get together. Like every second Wednesday of the month. I haven't been in like seven years, but it was kind of like that show, more like the March uh, East Coast Classic that they used to do. Because that show used to be in March, which was called the East Coast Classic. It was more fixed blades and traditional knives. And then uh, in November was the tactical, and now they just have just the tactical version. Mm-hmm. Huh. Pretty pretty interesting if they moved it back to uh, Times Square. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of for that and not for that at the same time. I'd love it to be in Times Square, but uh, well, the tables will cost more. Yeah, and the whole thing would be more expensive. Yeah, a bit. It also, it would never happen because of our laws. The gravity yeah, is going to get better, though. Yeah, there are, the New York show is already pretty touchy with the uh, with the autos and definitely the ballet songs. Mm-hmm. That's all right, though. It's it's still uh, it's still a definitely one of the most paramount shows. That we have so so where where'd you go from there jason yeah so um as far as why as far as shows are as far as in my journey here 
Oh, uh, just after that show with the feedback that you received. Uh... Oh, yeah. So after that show with the feedback I received, I, I, I took it again in, in my nature as uh, a challenge. Like, okay, he told me not to quit my day job. Well, guess what? I'm going to get, I'm going to do my best to get good at this as best as I could. Um, I, I think you're going to say the following week I sold my business and I'm yeah. a life maker. He told me not to quit my day job, so I quit it. Yeah, no. No, I didn't do that. No, <laughs> but um, I, I I set I set the plan in motion because I you know I didn't I obviously didn't have the skill or the knowledge um, to bring me up to that next level. So at that time after that show, when you saw people selling their knives, was it was it a thought in your head that this was a possibility to work towards a career in it, or you were still thinking like this is just a fun hobby, or it's it's going to be a fun hobby? I think this, uh, mine was like this is a, this is going to be a fun hobby, but it would be pretty darn awesome to be able to just you know do it full time as a career, you know. And again, you know, I I'm I'm up to this point, I was you know all self taught. So I mean, you know how that is, Nick. You, you you're trudging through, relying on messaging somebody and getting some on how to do things or or how to accomplish. Yeah, I learned back in the forum days. Yeah, so... so I, I don't know if... Oh, 06, I, I guess that would be already Instagram for a bit, but the forums are still alive. I mean, 16, the forums are still alive back then. I, uh, yeah, USN was still quite alive in 2016, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, like, just learning from a YouTube video or learning from Instagram pictures or just little things, just trying. And like I said, we learn every day. But, you know, I just worked on, like... First, first thing I worked on was my design. Like, design something to this day that I always struggle with. Um, and I worked on design. I came up with my first folder uh, that actually was I was very pleased with, which was uh, it was called the Raven. Is 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 what it was. It was it was a fairly large knife. Um, I made maybe ten of them. You know all by hand and they took me a long time like i was like man i I'm, i can't make money at this if I'm, <laughs> it's gonna take me this long to do it and um i said you know what let me uh look into getting a cnc machine there we go so, so i looked into uh what what I felt was in my price range, you know, uh, which is a Tormach. And I got one of those, and then that was a rabbit hole in itself for me. Uh, it was like four or five months of not making knives, but first learning how to do CAD, then learning how to do the, the CAM portion of it, and then learning how to run the machine, which was actually the easiest part once you learn the other stuff. And yeah, the machine's the last ten percent. Yeah. Setting up yeah. I always tell people when they ask me how do you, how do I get it to CNC? I'm like, don't buy a machine. You got you got six months, just get the software that's ninety percent. You figure that out to be machines the breeze. Yeah. So I sat there for like almost almost six months with the Tormach in its basically in its crate <laughs> learning all that stuff. Then I said, then I set it up, and you know, I 
made the first uh, the first raven on the CNC machine. Um, it's still hang around my bevels, and I like the way it came out. It came out really nice and everything like that, and. I made a couple of them and again local guys were buying them some guys on my Instagram so I, I'd make them and before you know it I had a little bit of a order orders built up on it and I'd use that to fill the orders and everything like that and everything was cool and then uh, I contacted I was like okay so I'm comfortable with making this this is good uh, I, I, I would like to get some exposure. I believe I believe that this is a very good knife. And uh, so I reached out to uh, Jim Skelton. And I said, hey, would you mind taking a look at one of my knives? And I sent them pictures. I told them who I was or whatever. And I'm relatively new and this, that. And I sent them pictures like, holy crap. He's like, this thing is great. It looks good. I was expecting to see some piece of junk, you know. He's like, yeah. He goes, I'd I'd love to do a video. So I sent a raven to him to do a video on. And then, like, after that, I wound up taking, like, 100 orders. Whoa. And. Damn, 100 orders. Pretty big. Yeah. yeah, I remember that video. This was back when his videos were getting a couple hundred thousand views when before they started censoring knives. Yeah, and um, the bronze one, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I shut off the I shut my books down like people were still contacting me for it, and i said okay well i have enough orders i've got the machine i've got everything let's uh this is the time to start going full time and so i did and you know i fulfilled those orders and i learned very quickly that books are not something that i enjoy there you go you gotta do it to figure that out though right that's yeah part of it yeah, I know. You know, books are just not not something that I enjoy, especially not high numbers. One here, two there, five there, whatever. That's one thing. I think everyone's made that mistake at some point. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's everyone's dream, though, right, Nick? You know, you get one model that's a home run that you just gotta you're, make. You're talking. You're talking to the guy that's made the, MK, the same knife for like seven years, so, so that was the go. wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, it's larger. It's the MK2. It's <laughs> it's smaller. It's smaller. It's, it's, no, it's the was, it never got larger. It started as a large one. And I was like, I don't. I made four of those. I'm like, that's too big of a knife. <laughs> and then the MK1. And then, oh, four years later, it's smaller. Yeah, and I'm oh, also God. the type of guy. I don't know why I get I get bored really quickly. Like, if if I make like. 10 or 15 of a model I already want to design something else that came into my head I'll still make the other model but I'll, all of a sudden I'll have new enthusiasm for the new design like I guess the the coolest thing for me is being able to take a pile of materials and bring an idea to fruition you know I think that's like the coolest thing I think that's I that's definitely a part of process that um that a lot of people probably identify with. I mean, just looking at like a pile of whatever G10 steel Mokutai or whatever, and then like a couple days later, you're like, "Holy shit!" There's a functioning cutting object in front of me. Like that is pretty cool. 
Yeah. So then after after making those after making those uh fulfilling all those orders, um it took it took me like seven seven to eight months to to fill all of those hundred. Um which to me was unreasonably long amount of time. Um really quick based on a lot of guys' standards. Well, again, coming from like a, a production construction background, to me, it was like, oh my gosh. Um, so I was like, okay, so I got to figure out, you know, wh- wh- how to streamline myself, how to get myself better at producing. And I actually wound up going backwards in a way because I want to like, not you I got so sick of making making the Raven after making all those I didn't want to make another one. <laughs> so I designed some new things and I started moving over to going the handmade route. And it's it's funny how, how that happened. Um the the way that happened is is you know uh I I reached out to a a maker that lives really close to me that is he's an old timer. Um his name's Salmonaro. And I reached out to him to uh try to get to learn some stuff. And he's he's a great guy. I mean from that point on, I mean he he's helped me. Oh wow. And if you you could ask him, and he'll be like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'm not a mentor. We're we're just both knife makers." But he'll say that. But he he's and he knows it. You know, he's 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 my mentor because he's my go-to for everything. He's come to my shop. He taught me things. He taught me things that saved me ten years worth of experience of trial and error. You know, and definitely a good mentor right there, Salmonera. Yeah. yeah yeah no he's 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 a and he's the greatest guy you know he's he's just he's just a good guy yeah he's pretty cool dude yeah great maker too oh yeah yeah and he's i mean very particular you know and uh he taught me a lot of things a lot of the things that might be getting forgotten you know or overlooked just little little tiny details that I look for to the point where I, at this point I'm like neurotic about things <laughs> and I and I understand because when I first went there I, I first show up at his shop and he's got like this headset on he looks like a professor I'm like whoa scientist what's going on here you know and, and now I kind of I, I, I understand <laughs> So well, Sal's a very unique knife maker, uh, in the, like his knife making style and the way he makes knives. I'm into many maker shops. So I've worked alongside quite a few makers. Uh, I've seen Sal set up, and he works more like an old school machining engineer. The way his tools are set up, and the way his shop is set up, than a knife shop. And like you could tell, he had a machining background. The way a lot of his stuff is set up, it's like. Uh, I learned a lot just from a lot. When I used to do full handmade before CNC, I used to see a lot of his setups, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like the one of the first person I ever see use a surface grinder set a lock with Sal, and I was like, oh, "That's an interesting way to do that." Yeah, yeah, that's how I set my locks. Yep. 
It's but you also have a really cool shop. Every time you get some new piece of equipment, I, I send you a message. I'm like, where? We, we have the oh. same Craigslist. Where the hell are you finding four Dunmore drill presses? Oh, I got another one coming. I, I know you suck. Every time I talk to you, oh, I just got a fifth one. I'm like, oh, wait. wow. I got like one. Co- I got one coming from which one are you talking about? The little ones or the precision? The little, the little watchmaking precision ones. Oh yeah, those. You know what, Nick? You don't want one of those. Right. You might, you might want, want one for like your desk. Then the, you can't drill titanium with them. Just seems cool. Now, remember, remember, I, all the drill bits I use are carbide. Everything under eighty thou. Seems cool when you don't have it. Once you get it, you're like, oh damn, I can't use this. Uh, I still oh, want one. Totally I, want just, just I want them just for detents. But I got a precision uh, Dunmore coming from North Carolina that uh, I bought from Tim Britton. The Bergmaster? You got two of them or what? But Yeah, I got two Bergmasters. Oh, where the hell did you get done that? Those are super hard to find. Old, like, rebuilt lathes. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to have to go out and just blame Sal for this because Sal got me hooked on all this old machinery. Um, After getting to be in his shop and, you know, use some of this stuff uh, and see him use it. I was just like, oh, this is like awesome. Uh, he did to, to know because it seems like, yeah, he's that kind of he just like his generation. Like he knows what's good. He's a, he's just a fountain of knowledge too, yeah. you know, and, and he'll tell you he's not, he'll tell you, well, I'm just another squirrel trying to get a nut, you know, because uh. <laughs> he's, he's so modest, but, uh, so, uh, then I just, you know, he found my lathe for me, my Logan lathe he found for me, and I went and got that. And then uh, the Bergmasters, I'm part of like a kind of machinist groups, a machinist group, like vintage machinist group. It's like kind of like that around here. And I'm, I think I'm actually the youngest member. <laughs> So it's a bunch of old guys that like to sell stuff. They like to buy and sell stuff, but they don't use Craigslist and they don't really use Facebook or anything like that. So they sell it to each wow, other. This is the first time I heard about uh, that. It's top secret, Definitely where Nick, you get all that not in the club. Yeah, he, he goes to me every time. He's like, oh, you got to be nice to the old guys. I'm like, I don't know any of these old guys. I live in Brooklyn. We don't have machinists here. Oh, need about 20 oh, years oh, on oh, you, Nick. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's, there's places in Brooklyn to get machinery. Oh yeah, you have to know someone, and I don't know anyone here that is in this industry. Okay, okay, but like, and you got to be willing to just get in your truck or car or vehicle and go. You know, like he's on rogue. Those closing eighty five twenties that I got. You know, I, I got two of them. You know, and then the Bergmasters. I went that day when I was told that this other guy wanted to sell them, and I bought. I bought both. I think I paid like eight hundred dollars for both of them. Oh, I've seen Bergmasters. Those come up, but they're usually like the conditions never really that good. But those right. do come up. Those Dunmores, they never come up, and they're always expensive. And when they do, they're usually gone. And somehow you have like five of them. Yeah, I, I don't actually have five of them. I have uh, seven. I no, I have, I have those little ones. <laughs> I, have, I have two of the little tiny ones. Hmm. But I have the Dunmore Precision Drill, which is a heavy duty high speed drilling machine for drilling like I drill 60 uh 32,000 holes you know through 0.2 titanium on it you know mm-hmm. yeah I just want for the tense yeah so there, there, there's you know, not really any good that, small you don't set your detent in your program 
No, I, I still uh, the, the the Haas makes my handles roughs out my blades, but like I still set lock and detent by hand. I have a very specific action that I tune very stiff yeah, detent, cool. and I don't I I've never I've tried on the CNC a few times. There's too many stacking tolerances to do yeah. lock and detent. It's so fine that uh, I just do it by lock and detent a lot by hand. Oh, lately my dad does them, uh, and I I tune them. So he he sets it with a fifty five. So just the initial set and uh, grinds in the lock initially with the rough grip belt. And then I finish it with a 220 and tune the detent to the last to the to the final spec with the different size drill bits. Hmm. Nice. So, you know, that's my human CNC for that part. That's cool. Yeah. So my Tomac basically sits idle. And, and, yeah, when I first met you, that's when you just finished the Ravens. And you're like, oh, I got a Tormach. I was like, oh, cool. We talked about CNC. And then, like, the next time I saw you, it's like, oh, yeah, so you just kind of stopped using those Tormachs. And then, like, I think you just said you bought a second Tormach or was it someone else? Yeah, no, I have I have two Tormachs. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Right, you bought a second Tormach. But I'm like, Sal, just like, you're just like doing handwork now. You like backtrack. He's like, yeah, I like this one more. <laughs> yeah, someone yeah, get a Haas. <laughs> it's another thing to hard, hard to explain, you know, like, in hindsight, yes, I I, I should have just bought a Haas right out of the gate. But there were just so many variables there at that point. I just didn't feel – these Tormox were not that expensive in comparison to uh, getting a Haas and getting everything up and running and going with that at the time. Um the Tormox made no sense to me. I looked into them like for like three grand more. I got my house set up. I was like, no, I'm not dealing with it. They work, but you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, they're, they they're, do work. That was your, they work. Uh. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's all now with, with Tormox new pricing, that's not worth it versus Haas's new pricing. It's totally not worth it because it, it, it's, it's, it's worth it to get the Haas. Um, but back when I bought it, I mean, they they weren't they weren't as expensive as they are now. Mm. So I mean, eh. I mean, they sit idle. It's not saying that I don't use them, but I if I do use them, I'll use them as like a very accurate water jet to cut like uh, micarta, so I could put a vacuum on it, and I'm not inhaling those fumes, or to cut carbon fiber or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting progression to really to dive in on the CNC and then to sort of step backwards, give or take, into the handmade because usually it's the opposite. Usually it's yeah, you start messing around and you're like, oh hell with this, and then people get CNC, and now you, now you have two of them and lots of old machinery, which is which is kind of cool to see. Yeah, yeah what, what, it's a little weird. I, I guess. Yeah, it, honestly, it is. I saw when when I was uh, talking to him through the time, and I saw him as he was changing. He, at one point, I remember you were trying to do half and half, but I like got weird with the modeling. Do half CNC and other models that are full handmade. Yeah, but then it gets weird like explaining it to people because I've tried that. I tried that at one point too. I was like, oh, these are more CNC, these are more handmade, but then like no one really followed my work enough. They bought my last, they never followed it enough to realize the difference, and they never really cared. Right. They still pay it. I was like, well, there's no point. I have to set one track. And, like, honestly, now I can't backtrack. Like, I got quick enough with the CNC. If I got to make a quick prototype, I'll just cut, throw throw a slab in there and cut it out with tabs, grind off the bands off the tabs, cut off the tabs, and do whatever I got to do. But I don't think I could go backwards. I don't even think I have all the tools anymore. I don't even have a manual mill anymore. I had a manual mill for a while and then just sat around. 
to where I just used the Haas as a manual mill with the jog because it was just a great manual mill if I needed it quickly to be so because it was rigid. And I got rid of the manual mill, but now I'm, I almost bought a cl- one of those closing 45s. One showed up in Jersey right across the bridge. Yeah. Thought about it, but I was like, I don't want to go to Home Depot, get the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the $20 an hour truck. I've got four it's mils. 20 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's $20 an hour when you stay in the borough. The moment I cross that bridge, it's like, it yeah. gets a lot more expensive. That is so stupid. Yeah, I mean, to, to be totally honest, it's like, I, I, I enjoy hand making a lot, you know, and not saying that I didn't enjoy using the CNC. I just all the all the time that I I just. What I didn't enjoy was all the upfront time that you have to put in. Yep. And then you're you're locked in, so you that model's got to be a go. You know what I mean? Exactly why I can't make like I, I can make prototypes yes. here and there, but like I, I if I'm doing CNC and I'm setting up the fixtures, I'm not going to make five of this thing. I got to make like usually I could get away with fifty to where it's worth it still. Yeah. Uh, but it's never just 50. Like the reason I'm making the MK1 for song is the fixtures are ready, the CAD was ready, and I just kind of kept getting free parts essentially because my water jetter was messing up. And he would give me essentially he'd comp the blades and I just have to pay for handles. Then next time he comped the handles and I paid for blades and, and I ended up making like an extra 200 that I didn't plan on and we've been stuck with the same thing. So I'm I'm, I'm prototyping new stuff right now that I'm gonna announce soon and it's just it's just a joy. Everything like it's just new, it's different, different pattern like tooling, different fixtures and figuring all that out right now, it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, so like if you have a model that's like a home runner that's you know high in demand the CNC is the way to go, you know, if, if you want to meet that demand, for sure. That's why I haven't, I haven't, I haven't sold them because there's other things that I could use it for. I mean, I can use it for my motorcycle parts when I break things. So you know, and I can, and I can still use it to make fixtures or jigs or whatever the case. Do you is. prep your build? Do you prep your handles on them? Like, do you do all the hole drilling and stuff like that on there? No, well, so on some models I do. On, on some models, I use it just like a water jet would do it. I, I I'll, I'll use it to uh, drill my holes and everything like that, and then I do everything else and and cut the cut the outline out, you know. Then, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's it's painfully slow for me to watch, you know. Do you have a, do you have a tool changer? No. That's, okay. That's, yeah. That's the next thing you should invest money into is add the tool changer to it. That'll change your entire view on CNC work. Oh, it's it's. It, no, well, I when I first tried to CNC out in someone's shop, it had a tool changer. It was Brian Nadal's. I saw. I was like, this is great. The tools would automatically change. You don't have to babysit it if you're confident with the code. And it's not as slow because you don't have to manually make sure to adjust each tool. You set up all, in my case, 10 uh, tools, and it just kind of went. And then I backtracked. I went to Haas Open House, and they had a tool room laid in there they let me use. And that one didn't have a tool changer on there. And I used it for 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, this is stupid. I understand that if I buy one, it has to have a tool changer. Yeah. And that, that was one thing. Everyone I would speak to, like, oh, it's so slow. And you got to sit in there and change out tool and reset tools. I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't know how that works. I just set oh, up God, all 10 at once. That. 
Yeah, so yeah, the, problem, just... the problem with the Tormach and the Tool Changer is is it they're notorious for malfunctioning and mm-hmm. they're extremely expensive for what they are. So that's that's why I don't have a, a, a tool changer um, for, and that's it why just, I have the cheapest, easiest way of robotic automation. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I I do agree, I do agree. Um, but I also it's, it's I re- satisfied though. Yeah, I I recently also started using a, a waterjet service to like cut my liners or to cut to cut out. Uh, my frame and my blade shape on some of my models. Um, and that's been great as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, water jetting is, yeah. is definitely, it can be a game changer, right? It, it, it streamlines a, a process. Um, and then it yeah, helps that's you the do initial game changer for makers. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's better than using the slitting saw to cut, you know, your lock cut or, <laughs> How many times I cut one block bar? Say it again. I'm sorry. How many times you used the slitting saw on your lock bars? Oh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit. I I just recently had uh, liners and a couple of frames water jet. Um, so to do the the lock bar, I'd use a thirty two thousand stick uh, slitting saw, and I, you know. Drill a thirty-two thou hole at my start and stop point, and finish it up with a special file that I made to to cut to cut it so that you didn't see the overshoot of the hole. You know, some some makers have a big hole at their stop point and their start point. Yeah, yeah. So just to clean that up, I made a special file that I could get into that you know thirty-two thou slot and just sit there and saw it out. It would take a take a while. Uh, I was taught that by Sal. Yeah, that's a nice it's finishing a, touch, though. It's a good way to do it, but there's one uh, factor that kind of limits you a little bit: is uh, your lock bars need to be straight. Yeah, always kind of like my like, eh. Yep. So the design's a little limited, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Kinda. Yes. Yeah, I cut one lock bar out by by the mill with a slitting saw, and the day after that, I I discovered the water jet, and I never did it again. Uh, it's not that bad. I mean, I have, I have a big Bridgeport style mill that I do that on. And it's, yeah, it's, it goes pretty fast. It's 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 not that it's not that bad, but it's. I do the drill press to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it's not as fast as having it done at water jet. You know, so little things like that save a little bit of time. Yeah, no, I mean, it, every every little bit truly counts when when you're doing that. So now after, so there was the New York show, then uh, the Jim Skelton, and you got a big batch of orders, then you realized that you kind of hated big batch work like that, and uh, you discovered Sal without Sal Shop, learned from him, started backtracking and actually liking the handwork aspect of it, incorporating that more into your builds. Um, and at what point did you decide, okay, it's time to do a show? Because that's, well, that's a big milestone for a lot of makers. Like once they go yeah. full time or they're part time, it's like, oh, like, I'm ready to exhibit my work at a show. It's a turning point. Yeah, so that would be uh, Blade Show, I guess, 2018 would be the first year. 
Uh, no, so that's when I first met you in person. That's when you had wow. the 25 knives and you were off to the right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 25 yeah, knives. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but you did that great that first, show. I remember that. That was the first show I exhibited. And I remember I... What what gave me the confidence? I brought my knives over to Sal and I said, Sal, go through go through these and tell me what you think. And you know, he didn't say anything bad about it, about anything that I brought. So I was like, okay. So that 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 kind of approval was a huge confidence builder for me personally. And I said, you know what? Nothing to it but to do it. I'm going to do Blade Show. And then I remember when I told Sal I was doing Blade Show, he was like, wow. You're really batting for the batting for the for the moon. You're doing the biggest show for your first show. He goes, he goes. I think I started it like the American Legion or something. <laughs> oh man, the yeah, little show. I said, yeah, well, whatever. So, um, I mean, I felt confident in my work. I carried my work, and I judged on people's feedback. You know, did I ever get anything back that? failed or broke or this or that and no so i was like okay let, let's try this so i did it and i really had a great time at blade show just meeting everybody and talking to everybody how how nice it is to be in the same place with a bunch of like-minded people it's just it was it was just really it was exhausting but it was, it was a really cool experience and so that's what brought yeah, me. I remember that show. You, you were very happy with, with, with the, the, the way your show went. I remember me, you, Dave, and Mike were at, in the pit pretty late talking about random CNC stuff and processes and whatnot. Yeah. Hmm. I think I think that was yeah. That was, Mike was there that year. Yeah, Mike was there that year. Yeah. How did you do with the show? I did good. I think I came home with out of twenty five. I think I came home with uh, like five knives. Well, that's 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 great. What are you talking about? And then I and yeah. then I then those five knives sold within a week of me being home with nice. Them. So yeah, I've I've been very blessed and fortunate, you know, at, at overall. But um, to have a a, a people that will buy what i make you know and that like what i make and all that stuff and i've been very fortunate at the shows that i've done to do well at the shows that's killer Uh, yeah i mean just coming coming to blade show your first blade show your first like real knife show with that many and 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 doing that well i would i can't imagine that must have been a great feeling it it really was it it really was and all that does is fuel the inner fire more and just make you want to do better yeah there you go right yes go home and step up the game even more to that next level was was there anybody at blade show that you that you were that you were looking at that you did you wander around at all did you get to see other people's other people's knives yeah so i got i got to, i got to get breaks i had i had a lot i had a lot of help my first year um my friend uh, eric luther who's also a maker um he helped watch my table and mike uh from ecom knives he we flew down together we we came together we stayed together and everything like that and he he watched my table for me a little bit and i had actually a couple of good friend on the last last day i had a couple of good friend customers that would sit there so i could leave for a little bit for a little break to get something and i got i got to walk around and stuff like that and you know 
unfortunately, I really didn't uh, take the time to go and sit down with a, or talk to a lot of uh, makers during the show hours and handle stuff because I kind of felt guilty that even though they agreed to watch my table, I felt guilty that they were watching my table for me <laughs> type thing. So I kind of rushed through and I'd, I'd see a couple of things and, and then come back and then, you know. So, I mean, I mean, nice. I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to really handle a lot of people's work that year. I was I was really overwhelmed, you know, just total. It was like it was like a whirlwind for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I can imagine. And then where'd you go after that for that show? When you came back home, where you, you new model? Uh, were you planning the next show? Or like, well, when you came back and like after first, like when I remember after my first show, I came back with a uh, hundred and ten different plans for something new, a different show, or how I'm going to do it next time because I didn't expect it to go the way it did. Yeah. So when when I came when I when I came back. I said to myself, you know, you know what, next year, I, I'm definitely doing the show again next year. I'm definitely, I'm going to get a booth instead of a table. And I'm going to uh, see where other shows that I can reasonably do. Because I enjoy Did you end up with a booth? Did I say it again? Did you end up with a booth? I don't remember you being at one. I, I had a booth uh, this this last year. One, I had a booth. Okay, so this this year. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Yes, so twenty nineteen, and then I have a booth for this for this year. Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, I had a booth this year for the first time too. It was interesting. But it was you know what was interesting to me was that. It doesn't come with a table or chairs. <laughs> you gotta rent that. It's extra. Yeah, we, yeah, you gotta rent we, them. We, we took an Uber. Uh, no we took idea. an Uber somewhere to get them. I had no idea. I just ordered them like online and had them drop shipped to to uh, one of my friends' houses that was going to the show, and they brought them for me. <laughs> you gotta pay for extra wow. lighting and electricity too. I mean, they really uh, they get you, you for that pay stuff. For everything. You just get the carpet, and that's it. Yeah. We so. I got the booth like three weeks before the show, and I didn't know what happens with a booth. I knew you don't really get anything. I was like, oh, I'm just going to rent it. And I go up to the renting area, and they're like, oh, it's $250 for a six-foot table. And yeah. I'm like, you are high. She's like, I'm like, you are high. And I'm like walking away. She goes, sir, are, do you want the table? I'm like, oh, I just got to go make a phone call. <laughs> like, I'm not paying $250 for oh, yeah, I can make a phone call. two tables. Yeah. I'm like, we're not paying. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, like, hey, can you pay for this real quick? I'm like, uh, excuse me. I called you because you were sharing the booth with me. I'm like, we're not renting. We have to go take an Uber to somewhere. And I don't think we uh, took that back, right? We just kind of left it there. Uh, I gave it to Gafco. I'm like, we, we weren't going to take the table. It was just like it's like a fifty dollar table, and then we had two inflatable couches. Yeah, I gave, I gave mine to Chad Nichols. <laughs> Like, yeah, hey, I was like, I'll take it back. I'm it for two fifty for the goddamn folding table. I was, I was <laughs> like, you're insane. Hell no, no, lady. Next, uh, next year, well, this year rather, which is just like, have like a cutting competition. Have yeah. everybody like, cut it up or something. I don't know. Make a spectacle out of it. There you go. Yeah, it was fun to swanton dive and, and like pop the inflatable mattress though with two knives, Wolverine style at the end. Mm-hmm, and not Shot. film it. Yeah. Wow! No, we didn't film it, but I that one myself. 
Yeah, so when I got back from Blade Show in 2018, so that, those were my plans. And then the fire was lit to just come up with a new model and just keep progressing and and just keep. I just want to be the you know the best that I can be. So I, I, I that's just my personality and the way I am. So I just. Yeah, it's it, good competition. It, Go for it. Well, it kills it. It kills actually productivity in a way too, because I I'll travel down certain rabbit holes, uh-huh. uh, for days sometimes just trying to figure something out, and it's 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 crazy, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I totally don't do that. You don't. <laughs> Of course I do. That's what I do, unfortunately, every day. Yeah. So. Like, oh, I can make this fixture two seconds quicker. Let's figure this out. Oh, yeah. Four hours see, later, yeah, I just lost yeah. all that extra time. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so, see, mine is mathematical formulas to come up with for the perfect detent and and just all different things. And it's, you know, it's very, I get very precise with uh, things like that. And in the end, I may use what I figured out, and I may not. <laughs> I used to go back to the same way every time because there's only so many ways you could do a detent. I used to spend a lot of time in, in designing and drafting fixtures before. I, well, the CNC, that's still a lot of it is fixtures. But there, you could kind of do anything you want for a fixture when it comes to CNC. The sky's the limit. But right. when I used to do manual milling, I used to take a lot of pride in my fixture setups. I used to have a lot of complex, dedicated fixtures to do all sorts of things in my mill. I didn't know anything. I just kind of came up with whatever. I'm milling wise, when it was manual, just everything was my imagination. I didn't, I didn't know any rules or just kind of figure it out. I'm like, this makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, I just, you know, that was my favorite part was the fixture designing for manual milling. I think in life making. That's cool. But just figuring out like the process of making the fixture. No, well, when, when on the CNC, you can kind of make any fixture to hold the part any way you want, because then you just have to hold the part. And make sure there's clearance, and then the head will move however you want it to, to do whatever you want the pattern to be. Manual milling, the 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 pattern is depicted on the fixture setup. So if I want a straight line, and then I want a perpendicular line, another line at 45 degrees, or an arc, or a circle in there, it's, it's all dependent on my fixture setup. So I had a lot of intricate, elaborate fixtures to hold the parts at various angles and repeatability to make sure I could mirror it. So that way I could do the same pattern on the lock side and the show side. Uh, special fixtures for my rotaries to do different types of counterbores and bear- and bearing pockets and uh, uh, what's it called? Pivot collar pockets. Uh at one point, I 3D milled on my manual mill, which is pretty it was a complex, weird fixture thing I got at an auction that I figured out how to set up. But I think the most proud thing I did was have a universal fixture to use end mills as counterbores, which was a basic one, but it just saved a lot of money. It's because I was able to counterbore everything with end mills instead of counterbores, which, as Jason knows, are expensive as hell. Well, if you have a service grinder, you can just make them. Bam. That, that goes back to him having all the cool tools. See, Nick, I was a, a, a thirty-year-old a basement grinder, buddy. Huh? It's just a surface grinder. Yeah, bud, just get one. Get, get that into a basement. Go on Craigslist. It's been like thirty minutes. Just get something going. Call through. somebody up. Just go over there and pick one up. Grab the Home Depot truck. Throw it in the back of the truck. Grinder. Just pull it in there, and then somehow oh, get it into a basement. No problem. You got a shop. It's just kind of like throw it downstairs. It's fine. Yeah, just roll it down. No big there's deal. A, there's a guy right like in Jersey that has a uh, a Dunmore tool post grinder that's actually for that. There you go. See? 
and you, you got a you got a friend with kid, go get it. <laughs> Dunmore tool it's called grinder. Pressure, oh, for man. the counterboard thing. Yeah. I, well, I'm looking at an endmill grinder right now. I'm trying to get one of those to. to I, I get a lot of satisfaction. No, but I get a lot of satisfaction for so. I think it's the Juin May, to be honest. Huh? So some of my endmills are. Yeah, some endmills are longer <laughs> than need be. They'll be like a half inch to, of cutting area, and I'm only using an eighth, the first eighth inch. And I get so much I'm satisfaction. I'm so confused right now. So, I'll explain. <laughs> So if I'm no making worry, an eighth inch cut, and it has a half inch of cutting area, uh-huh. and I and I wear out that first eighth inch or chips, I get a lot of satisfaction of cutting off that first eighth inch and having <laughs> another fresh eighth inch, and then doing that four more times, and then I get like, a lot of life oh, out of the same yeah. animal. <laughs> I I guess so. I don't know. It's one of the most satisfying things ever when I cut it perfectly to where it still works. I'm like, yeah, I just saved myself another fifteen dollars. Yeah, it's all about saving. In the grand. In the grand scheme of things in CNC, it's not a lot of money for the amount of money and tooling I go through a week is insane, but it's just very satisfying. Yeah. Now I want a proper grinder to actually chop it off properly and not use a Dremel. Yeah. What is it, cutoff wheel? It, it's wow. essentially like a bench grinder and a yeah. post that kind of wow. circularly cuts things off. Let me oh, see, so you're saving like $4 to make like a $900 custom knife? I got you, kid. I got you. All right. Uh, it, it saves me like 90 bucks a week probably okay but it's more of the satisfaction of it working no, i got you all right but it's all coming right. handy when i run out of tooling i'm like oh crap and then like, i'll go through the, the scrapping i'm like ah, this has some life if i cut this off thankfully if there nick if there's one tool that machine that you could have what would it be as a question for you oh. a bigger besides, tool changer besides your, besides your besides your cnc okay yeah Gonna be an attachment for this seat. No, um, uh, right now I'm on the hunt for a a, 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 three, a two or three axis surface grinder. Okay. Okay. But if we're talking big machinery, I really like anything that grinds blades, like a burger. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, but a surface grinder could do that. Right now I'm looking for uh, an automated surface grinder pretty badly. Okay. A two axis surface grinder. Well, two axes, they're all, all over the place, so it, it moves in X and Y, but you have to lower the head all the time. Yeah. A three axis, the head will go, like John uh, EOS, oh, he has like that axis. one. Okay, I got but you. But that, that one's like a really expensive. You get used one, like a three axis used one will go for like 10 grand to 15, 18. You can find two axis ones anywhere from two to six. There's quite a few of them for sale right now, but they're all on. I called all of them and they're all in like where I have to get them out of there myself and they're in complicating spots and it was just well, they're in like the back of a warehouse behind like 10 other machines essentially yeah essentially that and like uh, I, I've done that once before and it was a hassle I don't want to deal with it it's mm. not it's not the best time for me to go do that but uh, soon at some point I have to get one of those I get them I have to go to Jersey every time and use a manual one three axes fancy boys yeah, when you have to surface grind 150 blanks, I usually I'll go with surface grind at my buddy's who has a manual. I'll, mm. I'll do like 100 or 150 blade blanks. It'll take me like two 12 hour shifts, but then my right shoulder is pretty much unfunctional <laughs> for about five days because his 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 X like is kind of locked and it doesn't freely move. Oh. And I fixed it before, but it's in the same shop as areas as woodworking shop, so it cakes up and it gets stiff again and it, like it kills my shoulder. But it's my only option. That's how you get yoked out, man. You don't work out on yeah, the service un- grinder. Unproportionally yeah. yoked out. 
Mm-hmm. Just one arm. Just one arm is super jacked. I'm no, shocked. What's up? It out. What? I'm shocked you don't send send the blades out. Uh, sometimes I do. I, this lot. last bat. That's yeah, surface grinding. This last batch I did, and it was a little expensive, to be honest. Yeah. For like 50 cents more, I could have gotten double this ground. Right. Mm. I, I didn't expect them to be that much, but so. Uh, <laughs> that extra 50 I, cents was yeah. like, damn, I don't know. No, for an extra well, 50 cents, I got to double this grinding, which is a better service. I thought the surface grinding would have been like half the mm-hmm. price of what I actually paid. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of got to the point where it's like, I just paid what I could have got a freaking two axes for. Yeah, yeah, it was a little upsetting. I was like, oh, "God damn it!" Yeah, see, my my thing is since most of my knives are on washers, my thing is uh, I want I want a lapping machine. I got one. Yeah, and I sold I, it pretty quickly. Yeah, I'd say that's almost like for doing like high end, very tight tolerance folders. A lapping machine probably be more necessary than a uh, service grinder. Now uh, you can't. You can't. Lap without a surface grinder. I know, but like just having the extra instead of like just going from a service grinder to to the build, just that extra step of lapping it. Yeah, but I want the lap, and then I I got a good deal on. It. I actually made two hundred bucks in selling it, but I bought it and sold it within about a month. Man, if I had one of them, I would have kept it. Well, if the parts are warped at all, it doesn't really work because it's meant for minimal yeah. removal, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of you want to surface grind it. And it surface grind out the warp, and it's just for good surface finish and true flatness. Mm. Uh, so it, well, it, the parts have to be priorly prepped. So surface grinding won't make parts flat either. It'll make parts clean, but if they were warped, it'll stay warped. So ideally, you would double this grind, then lap. And, and that's where I, I didn't realize that's what's going to have to happen, and I just, I just sold it. Elijah, it's it's part of a process when you're when you're flat. It's like like Nick said, you know, you got you got to do you got to do all of it. So like your titanium, if if it's warped, you got to physically like you bend the lock bar. You got to bend that that frame to where it's close before you even start surface grinding. Then you got to make it flat and parallel. And then after after that's all said and done. You know, especially if you're using washers, I've found um, you you got a hand lap or lap flatten on you know an automated lapping machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, just I can't remember. I can't remember who it was that told me. Some maker. It was like titanium is pretty much never actually flat. It's just yeah. the screws and everything that like bring it's, it together. It, that was definitely me because I complained about that daily. Sometimes you well, it was it. afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> If you it was an at, older maker. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the titanium, sometimes it warps. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. sandblast one side and forget to sandblast the other side, it'll warp. And you have to sandblast yeah. the other side to bring the other side to come back in. There's just so much stress yeah. in it. Yeah. With CNC machining it, as I machine it, it warps. I face it, it warps. It's I breed so on it and change the texture, it warps. If you take too heavy a cut on it, it'll warp. Yeah, it, yeah. but you learn. You learn to work with it and work around it. But that that I'm going I'm going tool hunting actually next week. I'll let you know if I find a little if I find a little drill press there, I'll buy it for you, Nick, and then you can just send it. You can just buy it for what I bought it for. Just send me a photo if, if that's something I'm looking for. I I need like a, something that's accurate well, so I can I'm run like, like the little. The little watchmaker drill presses, but I'm telling yeah, you, the, nice. the little watchmaker drill presses, you're not going to want to drill your detail on one of those. 
They run. So what do you use them for? <laughs> I use it for Fenelix and stuff like that, like carbon fiber G ten. Oh. <laughs> you know, it, it'll it'll drill through it, but it's just it's it's not a comfortable sound as you're drilling these tiny. <laughs> it's, you're just like going. <laughs> you're thinking to yourself the whole time, "Am I going to have to stick this part in ferric to 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 get?" Oh, uh, that's not what I want. I thought they were, were great for detents because they're they're pretty they're the, high speed and they don't really chatter out or they're the, pretty yeah the run outs tight. The precision drill press is the one that you want, which is the big version of that. Mm. Oh, okay. But if I find a bigger quill, if I find one, because like I said, I'm going to a tool shop that's a machine, a guy that was in business for like 50 years. He just wants out. So, but yeah, I also bought a. Is it in downtown Brooklyn by any chance? It's not, but it is in the state of New York. Oh, nice. I heard about a, keep the those sources no, close. <laughs> <laughs> Every time somewhere in the state of New York, he never okay. gives me the right It's answers. in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard. I heard about a machinery sale in downtown Brooklyn coming up. That's why. Uh, uh, it's on the East Coast. I'll be honest with you. It's somewhere on the East Coast. Like, oh, okay, I got you. All right, uh, okay. I, heard I, need that. I also bought um, a burger in the past. I, I didn't like it. I ended up selling that as well. Yeah, a lot of guys don't like it, but a lot of guys tend to use it for what it wasn't intended to use for. the drill and tap setup yeah if you do clearance tap yeah. size and tap yeah but for what i was thinking i wanted to set up for undersized ream ream yeah. oh. chamfer, but they're not really accurate heads like everyone made them out to seem when i went for slip for one well it depends what, what you have and if you, and, and if when you got it you tuned everything they're they're fairly accurate but they're definitely not going to be as accurate as a milling machine um but they're definitely not going to be a replacement for six drill presses or something like that, which a lot of guys think they are. You know, so the, yeah, the, the, where they shine is if you set it up to drill, chamfer, tap, and you could set one machine up to do two tap sizes because you could put two tapping heads on one machine, one in, you know, 440 and one in 256, or you could have a separate machine. And then this. You have to have all the extensions proper and the heights. You know, like anything else, it takes a little bit of setup, and there's not a whole lot of literature on how to do it. So yeah, that was my thing. Is when I bought it, I, I couldn't really find enough information. I was like, I'll just buy it and figure it out. But it was definitely one of those things where I, I just kind of really lost on the time of getting it. I kind of bought it and sold it for what I paid for it. Yeah, you can get really good money for those. They're 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 worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Keep the eyes open for one of those. Is there, is there anything? It's about it's that time we're gonna start wrapping up. Is there anything else you want to mention what before we next? get to that? Well, let's get it that time to where we're about to start wrapping up. It says an hour yeah. and thirty. Yeah, we're. Yeah, well, we're it's been that in here, already, huh? Is there? Is there? We don't have to wrap up now. Just make sure, like, before. Yeah, is there anything else you like to mention? Some other shows? Anything well, else you're working on? Yeah, I was going to see what, what your next show was. What What's coming well, up for you? What's coming up for me is going to be uh, Blade Show. I'm already getting ready to start. I'll, I'll start on Blade Show Knives probably next month. I know I know Nick likes to start like five days before a show and stuff, but... Hey, I make it every time, though. I know you do, but you you don't... I, I'm zombified on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm zombie on Friday, and then Saturday I, I come to life. Yeah, and you know, I'll I'll have a booth, but you know, I focus on like uh, 
bringing like the best that I can bring to the show. You know, dang. Well, my thing is, I'll build them early sometimes, and then they'll sit around in my drawer. I'm like, oh, this is for a show. Yeah. And then like, I'll see a machine that I want to buy, or like, uh, you know what? I should really get started on this early. I need to buy a bunch of titanium and water jet and all this. And I'll start this now, and then I'm like, oh yeah, the show's in like two weeks. I have half a knife ready on the bench. Nice. Uh, I need like I need like ten. Just Half of one. I, I don't even have I don't even have pivot screws or bearings. I gotta figure this out. And somehow, day before the show comes in, I'll I'll build a nine out of the ten or something like that. It always comes. It always works out. I never I never came empty-handed. That's awesome. I just I I just always want to be prepared. I don't ever want to. You know. Honestly, I, I think I like this. Very professional of you, know. Jason. Oh, the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> or Nick, you can just like if it doesn't work out one of these years, you just like sell IOUs or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, I make you nice. That that would work. Interesting know? concept. I feel like I still remember at a show someone was selling essentially that. I was yeah, gonna say you can sell this guy. Books you can sell tables. You can sell like like order spots. Yeah. Sell so, like book number spots. five. Yeah. That, yeah that, sell that, book spots. The show that would that would go or with that, the rendering of what your knife might look like. <laughs> Hey, I think that's been done before. Oh, it napkin drawings of knives. Yeah, this is <laughs> Elijah's career, essentially. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Good times. He just sells his drawings of knives at shows. Oh boy. Hey, I don't start making the money until they're they start selling the actual physical objects. Sure, guy. Sure. <laughs> you, so uh, yeah, you only really do Blade Show in New York, right? I don't really see you. Uh, I think have, did, have you gone to USN? No, I mean, I will. I, I want to do more shows. I, I USN did. would probably be the best uh, for your third show. I would say. I do. My yes. my goal my goal is to do three to four shows. I mean, my my basic business model is is I don't take I don't take orders for the most part. I build and make available as they're completed. Hmm. Um, and I do shows. I do whatever. I like order books. But I can do, and I understand that, and it, it, it has a place. It's it's just, you know, it, it can be for me a little stressful because, you know, like like most people, I won't take a shortcut on anything. I mean, and. That's the way to do it too, I think. You know, and when you have the monkey of the book on your back, it's like you're like, oh, I got to grind this blade. He wants this kind of grind, and something goes wrong. Let's say now I got to reheat, treat a blade, make a new blade, or so- something like that, and then that puts you behind. And it just is an extrapolating effect of you know disaster. So, and when you don't have the books, you can do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't like the books back in the day, and then until I realized, oh, if I just make a, a nice spreadsheet of all the options and pricing, uh, that made things a lot easier. It's like whatever's on the paper is what you get to choose. The price is there. Anything that's a one-off is for open sale. If it's on the books, you have to choose from these options. Yeah, that's more effort than I'm willing to put into this. I just want to make things. <laughs> I just like to look business, at business, man. If I, I could, this man, I, I just like the like the the e, like ease. Uh, I could look at my books. Okay, I'll build this the, these knives this week, and I know at the end of the week uh, they're sold to these guys, and I'll have this much money. Yeah, and I have to I, like it's it just it just makes me comfortable. And then I like in every batch, there's usually one or two. Like I, I do batches of ten, uh, and usually two of those are for 
So every fifth knife is essentially open sale. And that's where I'll, I'll go off the options uh, and I'll test out finishes or milling patterns or grind styles or whatever it is. Yeah, and I, to- I, I totally appreciate that. You know, I mean, I'm not saying books are bad. I'm just saying for me, it doesn't make me feel feel like the same as when I go to because I'm very self motivated as this, so I don't need anything pushing me. Um, but just knowing that I owe somebody something is what what is difficult for me to deal with. I think. You know, mm-hmm. I got you. Because I don't ever want to owe, owe somebody something. It's just the way I the way I am, and that's not saying like I. There are occasions where someone will ask me, "Can you make me this knife?" And if I can, I will. You know, but I don't take any money from anybody until it's done. What are you trying to say? You're like some kind of honest knife maker or something? Jeez. No, well, I, I'm definitely honesty is something that I put in place. <laughs> I, that I am, but I just, you know, life happens. I wouldn't want something to happen and, you know. No, I get it. That You know, people never think it's possible and we see it all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but... Uh, so what's what's the best way? So you're saying you don't take orders. They're they're basically first come serve first serve. Um, what's your preferential media of choice to find these knives? Instagram, Facebook. So on Instagram, it's uh, at Luma Blades, and on uh, Facebook, it's in my group, Luma Blades Owners and Supporters. And I could always be emailed, you know, and people many people who weren't on the books that don't really use facebook or anything they say if you have anything available that you think i might be interested send me a picture and i email them a picture um and shows shows also or shows are definitely the fastest way if a show's close nice okay so definitely just like you just post them up there and people can just say hey i want that I, I'll post a picture, and then usually, like I said, I'm blessed in this way. Uh, someone will message me, "Is this available?" And you know, basically, that's when it's either it is or it isn't. You know, I mean, that's awesome. That's hey, you know what? That's straightforward. That's easy. That's that's mm-hmm. you, you can do that. You the know, way it should be. Yeah, yeah, that works. That's, that's not saying I'd never take book spots. There may come a time when I'll say, "Okay, I'm going to open up ten spots," you know. But it's not going to. It's never going to be. I'm going to take a hundred spots <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a lot of spots. To be fair, it was, especially for uh, someone who was just <laughs> feeling everything out and learning everything. You know, right, you know, step part of by the, step. And part of the reason to uh, why I went from CNC to hand, hand handmade is I, I firmly I firmly believe that there's no way that I could base my livelihood and business around a computer operated machine because you know if that computer or that machine goes down it's going to go down at the worst possible time meaning either I'm not the parts not going to be available that I need or. I'm not going to be able to afford to fix it at that particular moment in time. So I felt anything that I've got to be able to keep the business going with or without that machine. 
You hear that, Nick? See, that's so, not a bad way of looking. This is where it, we right? have opposite <laughs> philosophies. Uh, this is where we have bad, different philosophies. In the last four years that I've owned my Haas, it's broken down zero times. Okay. In the last four years, my, I have broken down a numerous amount of times. Okay, I mean that's. I mean that that's fine, but yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about two different classes of machines, and ironically, my Tormox they they haven't really had any major issues that could be fixed but i always knew that was always there so i couldn't be like oh i gotta not work for two weeks because my machine is broken or something yeah, I feel like it, make, it makes you once in a while want to pick up a mill just for that reason uh it's like oh the, yeah because i still know how to make knives by hand obviously uh, it's still where my roots are uh i still grind them by hand um but I, I once in a while I'm like, I should pick up a mill just in the case that goes down because I can still fit and make some knives. Hmm. Uh, but but the the comfort in it never really ever breaking down is gonna get to me one day. Uh, thankfully the house out the house the reason I got a house is because they're they're only an hour away and yeah, they'll come the same day. Who do you use, Allendale? Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. They're really nice. But you know. That's that was just always been my worry, and to be on, to be honest with you, I mean, I did have, you know, the Haas rep here figuring out. The, I was gonna buy a mini mill and get rid of my Tormox and put, you know, but I I elected not to do that because I felt that there's no way that I'd be able to keep that spindle running enough to justify the purchase of it. So. You know, it's nice that I know how to do CNC. I do enjoy doing CNC, you know, um, but at this point, I enjoy hand making more. So oh, I, I totally understand. I, I wish I was still able to hand make them and take a living. It just gives me a little bit more versatility. What I lose for the ability to do 3D machining and crazy engraving and stuff like that, I make up for in doing on the fly changes to a design and stuff like that and the it, way- it counts yeah my minor adjustments right you can just go minor and swap it up you know and without having to go back and sit in cad i'm not the quickest i'm pretty decent at cad but i'm not the the quickest guy in it so and so there. That's another. That's just another reason that I just wanted to throw out there. Like there's, yeah. I have no disdain. I have no disdain or anything for CNC. I think CNC is great. I just think, for me, I'm. I'm. Listen, when when I when you stop enjoying it, you got to stop doing it, right? So you got to kind of. You kind of got to do what you want. So, and up to this date, I don't feel like I've worked a day. So, yeah, you got to manage uh, what you love with what pays the bills. Just roll with it. There you go. Yeah, the bills get paid. No matter. Yeah, I got <laughs> bills always get paid eventually. They always get paid eventually at some point. That's the thing. Yeah. No, I got totally you. Cost. It's just funny. It's the first time I really thought about it. I was like, hey, the last four years, uh, the house has never really broken down, but I've broken down many times. You better, uh, knock, <laughs> you better knock on some wood tonight. There you go. Yeah, well, you're not, you know, pumping the same things into oh, the I'm, house. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What? Tooling costs. Huh? Tooling costs, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Good times. Good times. All right. I like it. I think I, I think I got to make a sticker like that. In the last four years, the, the operator has broken more than the machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not a bad idea, actually. I could see those ending yeah. up on uh, many a CNC. Yes. Most likely. Possibly. Uh, Lateology merch. Check it out. We got stickers. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um... I don't know. I think that um, I think that about that brings us to a good a good closing point. Uh, Jason, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for being our our first guest of uh, of 2020. This new insane decade that I can't believe we all just lived through and up until um, we did just uh, we just launched the Bladeology website and Patreon uh, last night at 3 a.m. I was awake trying to get it finished for this episode. Um, so if you enjoy what Bladeology does and the content we have, check it out. Uh, go to our website, join our Patreon. I got a bunch of different levels set up there, whatever works. Everything is much appreciated, and we can keep bringing you this uh, awesome content. With that being said, uh, I'm going to sign off uh, from from my side this is uh jeremiah with pvk thanks so much for listening nick chuperin of ncc knives and you could find me at nccknives.com or ncc knives on instagram elijah isham with isham blade works you can find me on instagram at isham blade works signing off jason luma with luma blades you can find me at luma blades on instagram and thank you very much guys i really appreciate it I had a great time awesome thank you so thanks, much man. thanks guys for more information regarding the show please check out www.bladeologypodcast.com 